Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is Beyond the Mountains of Madness, and this is episode 19. It was written by Janice Hill and Charles Engen, along with others who are listed in the credits. Our GM for this campaign is Sean Little, and McSwan will be giving a recap. The City of the Elder Things looms below. The players are ready. Let's begin our journey into the darkness. Nick? Thank you very much. <clears throat> it didn't sink in until we saw the city. We'd heard the tale of the dire expedition, a nightmarish account of the unwholesome fate that befell the lake expedition, of ancient, unspeakable creatures and their vast, strange city in the mountains, but they were still just stories. Even with the carcasses of those elder things to support the story, the queer tracks in the snow and the awful bloody evidence of frozen butchery in the ice, like some repugnant snapshot, even then, just stories. We still clung to the last thread of denial, maintaining our tenuous grasp on the sane, the rational, repudiating what we all suspected to be true. Like most of us, I threw myself wholly into the business of preparation for the mission to the plateau checking and rechecking, checking ropes, poring over those interminable manifests, juggling the weights in the hope that we might somehow prepare ourselves for the ordeal to come. Once more, there were issues with our oxygen supply, which delayed our departure, but eventually at 20 past 10, we set off for the Miskatonic mountain range. It takes some time to reach the mountains. Their scale is truly awesome, dwarfing even the Himalayas by comparison. From a distance, we could see an indication of caves, rows of caves, their outer surfaces pitted with the same pattern we'd seen on those strange stars buried alongside the creatures. As the plane flew higher, I began to see features resembling round-edged, weathered clusters of cubes, ramps, ramparts, even towers, perhaps. Even with the binoculars, it was hard to say whether these were anything other than natural structures. structures. Surveying the dire gap as we closed in, I took the opportunity to survey the reason for a region for a possible alternative route to the plateau, in case we were unable to return by air. Sure enough, there was a route through and more caves, colossal in number, row upon row of them, along with curious cubes and other stranger structures, surely too regular, too precise to be natural, and yet how could such structures, supposedly so ancient, have escaped the ravages of the elements? I was con contemplating this quandary when, with a sudden curious tingling sensation, we sighted the plateau and that dreadful, dark, dead, ancient city. For it was a city, no chance conglomeration of geological features no weathered stones which may or may not be. It was distinct and certain in its awfulness, its unnaturalness, its horrible alien menace. It was in that moment that we knew, truly knew. There could be no denial now, no attempt to paint Dyer's testament as the deranged ramblings of a lunatic. We were about to set foot in this impossible nightmare. Thank you, Mac. All right, so back to last week. Did mm -hmm. we see the bell any place on the plateau? 
no, you did not. Do we see any wreckage, skid marks where they might have gone off the edge, anything whatsoever? I find it hard to believe that they just disappeared on us. Well, this is the thing. Once you traverse the mountains, you're over the other side. It's city, as far as you can see. To the left and right, which I have to give you the right directions in a moment, but left and right, it's to the horizon and beyond in both directions. And before you, it goes to the horizon. This is a massive ruined city. And it's buildings and towers and crumbled towers and rock geocroppings and ice. You know right away, as a pilot, if somebody were to crash here, you don't think you'd be able to see them unless you flew almost right over them. Okay, so now what we're looking for is a place to land. Yep, that's true. And Mr. Starkweather, he actually, he, he does, he's directing yourself. I, I'm assuming you're flying Mr. Moore's plane. I think that's correct. Uh, directing yourselves to fly, uh, to, to survey the area, to look for some proper landings, uh, landing spots. 30 minutes swooping around, uh, broad curving arcs to the northwest, uh, 30 miles out over the ruins and back again. You cover a section about 10 miles wide. Um, these are a massive city. I mean, it, and it's not completely ruins, as, as surprisingly. Uh, you actually are expecting it at first to think it's all falling down, but no, it's not. Um, but everything's covered in a layer of ice and snow. But the entranceways are open. You, you, know, you do make note of that. And Mr. Starkweather's having people take photos left and right, whoever in the other aircraft is operating the aircraft, or operating the uh, camera, rather. Um, and you tra traverse the, the landscape back and forth. You don't see anything, no signs of the bell, no signs of uh, oil leaks, anything like that that you might be looking for against the stark white of the ground. Don't, uh, don't waste too much time. We need to find a landing place. Yeah, fairly um, shortly. You do, you do see something. Yeah, we're burning fuel. I have, a, I have a question, too, for the GM. When you sure. described the city as we came over, um, does it seem like... I kind of expected, at least uh, this is... Uh, uh, I kind mm -hmm. of expected that we would clear the mountains and look down, and there would be basically a valley with mountains all the way around it, with city in the middle of it. But you say the city goes off in all directions as far as we can see. Mm -hmm. Does it seem like the physics are somehow off here, that we've, we've crossed over into something that's bigger on the inside? <laughs> <so to speak. laughs> um, can we see um, the mountains behind us and, and to either side? See. or? Yeah, you can see where you passed over. Um, you can see the mountains behind you. Ah, there you go. Um, you see that that's the Miskatonic Mountains. You pass through the pass, and there's the city of the other things. It, it hugs the edge of the mountains. I see. But it's a plane, it's a plane ahead of us going off. Yes. Like in, it, I'm pointing. It doesn't help. In this, this area here, you assume, based on knowledge of right. uh, the Antarctic, that that's probably the plateau or the plains right. similar down here. But uh, this is definitely, that's the way the city seems. Like, you, you're not entirely sure how long this is. This is an okay. estimation. But, uh, I guess it makes, uh, I guess what I thought was it was a city in the middle of the mountains, but in fact, it's on the other side of the mountains. That's correct, yes. Okay. Yeah. You do see, uh, as, you're dry, as you're flying along, Mr. Moore points, 
And uh, he says, there, right there. And there's this plaza, I guess is the best way to describe it, where it's a round area that's clear, with the exception of a bit of rubble that flat lands down in one direction. It's almost as if, as if like something tall fell. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are pass roadways going east out of that location, but it is definitely uh, a, a nice flat, clear area with plenty of uh, spot for you to land. There you go. Hey, Sean, I have a question on the city. You bet. In my mind, I'm sort of picturing it. You know those like. Um, the Native Americans cities that are like built into the rocks sort of thing with the cave. Like Pueblos? Yeah. Is it kind of like that or is it more like we're actually looking down on a city where we're seeing like food carts or traveling, <laughs> you know, hot probably not cars, vendors. but... Uh, hot human vendors. Are, um, is there anything else except for like holes in the caves? Yes, there are structures. I think that the the dire manuscript, the Mystery, the Mountains of Madness, describes literal buildings, uh, causeways, archways. Well, that's what towers. I mean. So just uh, just um, what's the word? Buildings, architectural. Right. N nothing right. else. No. Yeah. Okay. But most of it isn't carved into the rock. Most of it is no. buildings, actual constructed. Buildings. Yes. Yeah, There's right. decaying stubs of like colossal ramparts and buildings. Uh, something that looks like it could have been a riverbed or a canal, you're not entirely sure, you pass over that. Uh, there's a, several of these plazas you, you identified. So it's actually, there are streets, structures. Okay. But it does not look inhabited. You don't see any, any signs of habitation. There is ice, there is snow. Um, no, no nothing that you would identify, so even Nigel especially being a pilot looking down, you don't see any signs of anything that has moved on the ice in any mm -hmm. recent long, eight years. Long time, yeah. wow. Take it in. Hey, Nigel, did you try the radio to get the bell? No, I haven't. He said that we had too much static interference up here. Hmm. So we can't you communicate do with our home base either, right? Uh, you can communicate with the other aircraft. Um, so Mr. Starkweather, you can hear him. Okay. But we can't hear the base camp. No. Well, the, the mountains are in between you and the the atmospheric disturbance above is probably preventing that, you think. So Mr. Starkweather yells out, let's land. Um, he flips, closes his notebook and the, Nigel, you, you want to know where, and he points. And he says, land there if you can, and this is the, in, the inside of the plaza. And uh, he says, go for it. Just uh, That looks like the best location I've seen so far. Nice and centrally lo located. I, um, I leave it to Gregory. Please return your trace to their upright position. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lean over to Gregory, and I, I, I say to him kind of quietly, I'm saying, you know, if, if their technology was super advanced, then could there be some sort of a radio thing or something along that lines that's affecting us? Because I, I kept hearing stuff. We kept feeling stuff, and could some sort of mechanism still be in place, still still active here? I don't see why not. I mean, the possibilities are jamming technology. The possibilities are just maybe an auto-repeater, where it repeats the same message over and over. Maybe they 
themselves did, did, had flown. Some of you mentioned that you heard music. I didn't hear anything myself. Yeah, but. it was kind of a piping, strange noise, but... And it's I, not I, like wind through the city, right? It's almost like it was in my head, but... The Dyer manuscript said that their opinion, based on the uh, the bar reliefs that they saw in the city, that these creatures were telepathic. I say that kind of quietly. So do you think that what you heard, that musical tune, do you think that may have been an, a, a rudimentary attempt at communication? Except that I think it might have been something automatic. What if those... This is wild speculation, but what if this advanced civilization had the ability to fly the way we are in airplanes, uh -huh. and they simply got, they f when you flew in, they sent you a communication. Here's where yeah. to land. Here, like you a know, landing we, just, or we don't yeah. understand what it is we're getting, but we don't. We don't. It's, it's bizarre. I, I can't believe what we're seeing. I can't wait to get down there. <laughs> I know. Uh, a little bit of description as you're coming in for a landing. Uh, in the distance, you can see what looks like twin towers. And which is, it's a little funny because most of the very tall structures have collapsed in on themselves over just age, weathering. Um, it, it's, they seem to be barrel-shaped cylinders, towers. Um, all that the, the, the broadest details are all that's left. It's, it's been scrubbed by snow and wind over, over, over the years. But there's little doubt that um, these are the sentinel statues that uh, Dyer had mentioned in his document. Mm. You may have remembered. Mm -hmm. uh, the size, the place is huge in size. Um, could anybody who has binoculars make a spot hidden? I guess is the best thing. Oh, Ooh, no. not me. No, me either. I got an 82. <laughs> okay. Well, you do, you do just looking around see a few things of interest. Um, about 20 miles west of the, of the foothills, uh, there's an ancient bridge. It crosses like this, this empty weather, or sorry, empty riverbed. Um, now, there's, there seems to be a central arch. Uh, the, the rest of it seems to be covered in ice or perhaps collapsed. But you do notice that there is a river that, uh, that was flowing at one time, it appears. It looks just like a river that's been drained of water and ice is sort of crusted the insides of it. It flowed through the city, uh, looks like an artificial channel that was constructed by somebody. And it passed between a pit that these two huge towers it actually goes between the towers before the river just sort of vanishes through something. It's like a carved archway of some sort. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just a, at one time it had water flowing in it or something. I mean, that's the only thing you can guess from looking at it. How, how do you think that they... They dealt with the cold because this is Antarctica. Flowing water, a city like this, they have some way to warm it. Here's another question. Okay, so we had to bring oxygen with us. So uh -huh. if anybody was going to stay up here, I was going to say they need ox oxygen as well, right? So obviously, I was going to say no humans. Well, we've come up and over, haven't we? Are we coming back uh -huh. down? You still require oxygen. Yeah. You are. And you have a few days' worth of oxygen. 
the estimation is you've got three or four days worth of oxygen. Okay. Okay. Uh, so no one else. Uh, um, uh, one more thing you do notice is uh, there's this long black structure. You'd swear anyone who's ever looked in a National Geographic magazine, these are, it's like three shiny dark pyramids joined in a line through their corners, like corner to corner. Uh, they stick up out of uh, the ruins about five miles south of the riverbed and about 10 miles west of the foothills. So it's, hmm. it's a bit of a haul away. Uh, the only other thing you really noticed of interest was about three miles north of the plaza that you're landing in. Uh, there seemed to be a, about a hundred yards wide uh, avenue or a road, and it sort of vanishes between these edifices. Or you can't really tell exactly what they were. You didn't fly close enough to see. Um, but it's an expanse of clear ice, and there's large dark objects spaced at regular intervals along the way, deep beneath the ice. It's like dotted beneath the ice. Those are the only things that stand out apart from just this massive, immense city that you're looking at. Okay. All right, Nigel. Yeah, Nigel, can you make a, a pilot roll for your, your landing attempt? Made it. Excellent. All right, given the wind, even... What did how how close did you make it? How close? Okay, I just barely made it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's even better. Uh, it's it's a bit of a rough landing. Then um, terrifying is the way non-pilots might describe it. So I, you're like, oh, landing any landing you can walk away from, but everyone else is uh, bouncing and the there's a crumping noise and you smash into the ground. You bounce once and scrape along the ice. Uh, stress metal, you know, skis. Screeching, screeching on the ice. Um, the right ski catches finally uh, on some kind of a stone, makes the pop, playing kind of the yaw to the right. Uh, everybody has to make a, a... Well, actually, is everybody strapped in, I would assume? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. I think we already checked that once before. Yes, we did. Um, so it's, it screeches, limps along another hundred or so yards and stops. And um, a minute later, Starkweather's plane just sort of lands... But they have a little bit of an easier landing. Uh, slides to a stop not very far from yours, and uh, yeah, so you're on the ground. Well, let's try to raise the bell on the radio. Okay. Uh, what do you say? What do you... Just trying to see if anybody answers. Oh, okay. Um, you're not... You hear your carrier waving some static, but you're, you're, you don't hear anything from them. Well, yeah, who cares? <laughs> How much of a head start did they have on us? It wasn't that. We could see them flying, so they weren't that far yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's they were I ahead. Yeah. But they had different aircraft than you, so they had different capabilities. Mm -hmm. All right, 10 minutes to get all your stuff and get your oxygen tanks checked. Oxygen tanks checked. And your gear on, and uh, you unload, and you are on the ground, ancient hard ice beneath your feet. Um, really, you're standing on thick ice in an ancient city. Let's get plenty of photographs. Yeah, we should... I've already got my camera out. 
I'm actually sketching some since I would think that it would be a good idea to head towards the pyramids. Which 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 buildings are closest to That's us? five miles away. Yeah, the pyramids are not um, easy walking distance. You have to unload the sleds and everything else. Why don't we? You said we're in the plaza. Why don't we see what this big structure is that fell in the center? Yeah. Well, right Mister. I mean, yeah, Mister. Starkweather. I mean, he he comes out and he's uh, he's got see, he, he needs every camp set up first, of course. So he's identifying certain people to do certain things. You can see uh, what what this is, though. I mean, it absolutely where you land. It's like I'm trying to gauge here. Well, actually, I can tell 300. It's about 300 yards away. Um, it looks exactly like something a tower of some sort fell in that direction, like to the uh, to the wet northwest of, of where you are. Uh -huh. uh, and there's a there's a bit of a hole in the center. I mean, you're not close enough to look yet. But uh, there seems to be something in the center of it. And it as you were landing, uh, Nigel, right. you probably would have noticed. It looked like there was a hole perfectly round down the center of this. Well, let's, let's walk towards that since it's the nearest structure. Yes, it's as close well, as that's the, the shortest walk. Well, Mr. At Stark, the very least, if it's, if it's collapsed, it, it would, we'd, we'd be able to see how it was constructed. Yeah. yeah, it's like a cross section. Yeah, I think we also need to make sure that this airplane can get get us the hell out of here ASAP. Mm -hmm. In yeah. case um, a shows up or something. <laughs> you're all hearing now this high pitch singing noise. By the way, the whistling. Mm -hmm. It's a this thin, high singing, um, eerie. It's like piping, from very, very far away. Um, those of you who haven't heard it till now, it's. You're looking at the other. It's like, what is that noise? Um, but yeah, it's just it's constant. It's constantly there. But Mr. Starkweather doesn't seem to hear it when he jumps out of the plane. He stamps his foot. And he's excited and he pumps more his hand and comes around to shake everybody's hands. And he says, uh, "Wow, what a smooth ride, eh, fellas?" Jokes. And then he says, "Okay, I just want to say something before we all wander off." Um, you can you can hardly tell. He's got the goggles mask. You can hardly tell it's him except for his voice. He's talking through this pipe. Gentlemen, lady, this is a momentous day. Uh, a momentous day. T today we've set foot on an unknown land. Bravo to all. All around us are the relics of a fabulous forgotten city. And who knows what lies beyond it. What what treasures we might find? Not I. But we're going to find out, aren't we, chaps, just as soon as we settle in. So let's hop to and set up a proper camp, and then we'll start the real business of the day. Looking about. Say what? Or what say? Um, well, the air, uh, well, the air crews, you guys are, look at the planes. Um, Mr. Moore and I are going to walk quickly around the ruins here because there seems to be some buildings that we might be able to use as a campsite uh, to shore up and, and secure and turn into a nice uh, oxygen uh, tent as well for us all. Uh, we got to unload supplies, and then uh, once we get all that done, we have lots of time to wander about today. Well, at least someone's bought the band with them. That's, that's the main <laughs> thing, isn't it? That's very modern music. What could that possibly be? <laughs> now, the piping that we're hearing, it's not like, you know how some sounds, like if a wind blows through an architectural mm -hmm. object, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, where it's more natural than artificial. That's There's the a thing. lot of little doors and windows up there that it yeah. could be just creating a musical harmonic right right I'm that's what I'm trying to figure strange. out is it is do we think this is naturally created 
through the architecture and the direction of the wind and the speed of the wind, or is this, do we think this is artificially created? Does anybody have music? <laughs> well, we have read the Dyer manuscript, so I have a pretty strong theory as to well, what it might be. Feel free to share. It's the sound that those creatures make. Mm. Well, really, whether it's mm. whether it's artificial or not, it or a siren call. And all all we're going by is what the text says. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's the same sound that we're hearing, but I'm I'm really listening to the, the piping sound. Mm -hmm. The the Dyer manuscript says here. There's one particular sound, a, something that he writes as tegalili, whatever the hell that means, but mm -hmm. it's repeated mo numerous times. Um, Can I, um, I don't know. jam my mittens into my ears to block <laughs> it out? You can block it out mostly. But as hard as I try to stop it, I, I still can hear it to some degree. Think of wind chimes, like really well-made wind chimes on a summer's day. It's it's still there, just okay. in the distance, just in the background. It's not, it's eerie, but it's not so disturbing that you can't function. But it's there all the time. It's not making you dance or lose your mind or go to sleep or anything like that. It's just there. What I was trying to determine, it's not in my head, right? It's a physical sound, or That's, am I not clear? <laughs> You're not clear, but it seems yeah. to be a visible sound to you. Okay. It's very high pitch, eerie, mad. It doesn't. It it doesn't. As the more you listen to it, it doesn't seem to. It doesn't follow the same pattern all the time. It sort of goes all over the place, and then other times it's absolutely well structured, and then it's all over the place again. And, but it's always very light and high and eerie and just there. It makes me feel like we're in the middle of. Uh... Times Square in New York and advertisements are going on all around us. Yeah. That the, here's a, the, here's a these question. things would understand. The camp in, uh, North Star Explorer. Star Explorer, they're going to leave some people back here to you know, guard the camp and guard the planes or anything in case we have to develop. Well, he's, he's come back. Um, as, as everybody was helping unload the equipment, he wandered off with one, one, of, one of the crew members. And uh, he's identified a building. He says that is going to be our campsite, and it's it's a proper. We'll set up a proper camp there. He says uh, we'll put the oxygen tents. We'll set them up. Uh, three oxygen sleeping tents set up. Uh, we'll supply secures and we'll store supplies in there and secure it. We'll take turns securing the site, the aircraft, and the uh, the camping area. This camp in the building. So he answers your question pretty quick. Yep. Um, Nigel, you notice after you guys inspect the aircraft, uh, there's only minimal damage to the undercarriage of your aircraft. Its right ski's bent almost in two. Um, it needs to be straightened and reattached, but uh, the flight crews can work on that, and it, it can be done in a day. It's not a huge issue. Okay. All right. So Mr. Starkweather says, well, um, fellas, um, everybody, if you, if you want a bite to eat, have a bite. It's noon. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think, you know, we've made our names. We can all write our own tickets, but we got a lot of work to do first. 
let's look for, look for something interesting. Let's, let's just wander. I'm going to take Mr. Miles here with me. I'm going to pry off some sculptures and just some little things to you know, take back in case we have to leave in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Never know. Um, so we have some hard evidence. Uh, now, Professor, get as many photos as you can. We should be all back here in about eight hours. Let's all just set our, set our watches, our timepieces for eight hours from now. Uh, and he says, well, let's just go. Everybody go explore. Have fun. Just, uh, I guess we're going to leave some people to watch stuff, but uh, yeah. I'm heading for the, the base of whatever fell. Yep. Okay. In the center of the. Okay. Sounds like a very. Yeah, it's the nearest item, so might as well just start there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Okay. I'm going to um, um, take a coil of rope. That's a good idea. Um, um, just in case. I mean, if, if anyone has an accident or something, the last thing we want to do is to go all the way back. It's also, uh, I, I tell everybody, I'll just tell you, that according to the Dire Manuscript, we are on the top of the city, that it extends quite a ways down, down. underneath mm -hmm. us. So that might gain us some access to the... Didn't you say something about an underground lake? Well, he, he says that according to the, the bas-reliefs, there's an underground sea. That's where they got their warmth from. But I think that that's way down. He also said that the, the city is more intact the farther down you go. Obviously, not, the damage done by weather is all up here on the on the top of it. Not all of us have read that. I'm curious if you're willing to share. Has was there any discussion or writing about anything dangerous? Tom, well, are you sure you you want to know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because if I'm walking into danger, I would like to know what I'm walking into. You. Uh, you you did hear about the Shoggoths, yes? Yes. What Dyer's proposition is, is that the creatures from the camp came back here in an attempt probably to rejoin their comrades, who they didn't know were gone for 600 million years, and they were met by the Shoggoths, which immediately murdered them. Murdered. Tore their heads off. Murdered the humans the or things. the elder things? So, yeah, I think there's some danger here. Okay. Uh, also, one thing that he did point out was when the Shoggoth was coming, they're huge, like a, the size of a bus. He could feel the wind, you know, being pushed through the buildings towards them before it ever got there. So if you suddenly feel the air moving in your direction, get the fuck out. <laughs> and the sounds that you mentioned before, he was saying that those came from the Elder Things or from the Shadows? He says that that's the sound that the Elder Things made, but it's also the sound the Shagos made because they were trying to trick the, the Elder Things. Oh. Thinking that their people were still apparently there was a war between the two two races. Okay. There's more, but you should read it. Okay. 
And there's giant penguins. <laughs> Is there? That seem completely, uh, he says that they don't seem to be in any way uh, aggressive at all. Oh, okay. How giant? What are we talking? Six or seven <laughs> feet. Okay. That's not bad. Big enough to ride. Uh, it might be a food source. So you guys are you're chatting away, but you're sort of pointing in the direction of uh, the fallen obelisk or tower. Yeah. And Mr. Moore comes over and says, guys, friends, you recognize this place? I think you do. This is why I chose it as our landing site. He's out of earshot of a few other, anyone else. And he said, I think this plaza may well be the one mentioned by Dyer. Mm -hmm. um, the one he and Dan forth exited the city through and that amount of rubble and he's pointing towards where you're heading with its you know there's a pit in the center you saw that as well i'm sure that might be the one with the spiral ramp that they climbed up that they came out of yeah now if that's the case there may be signs of their passage and it's very important if we, we can find that but it also means the places where he met that monster the tunnel into the undersea is not far away so just if you're going there use caution if you see signs of anyone but yourselves, tell me. Just let me know what you find. All right. That's it. Maybe we, we shouldn't all hang out together in one club. <laughs> split, the, split the party. Split the party. Split the I'm party. Just thinking, <laughs> if, 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 if we're attacked by something and it gets all of us. <laughs> Nobody will get away to tell the story. Uh, this is dangerous. Folks, this is dangerous. Science is dangerous sometimes. <laughs> Elmer's not going beyond 10 feet from Captain Sugden. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of all this and wrap my head around it. Hmm. I want to tell you something else that I've been thinking about, too. Humans are resourceful. Even if this is a city of alien creatures, you shoot them with a, a cannon and uh, they're going to splatter. <laughs> so. Did anyone think to bring a cannon? No, but we can always come back. If we get out of here, we can come back. Imagine the technology that might be down below us. The secrets that we could learn. But Once we, we get rid of the indigenous species. Would, would we even, if we saw the, the technology, would we even recognize we'd have it as... Uh, Probably not at first, but we'd have years to study it. Like I said, once you get rid of the indigenous species. But if this, if this city stuff. goes down as deep as you say, and it's as large as you say, then... There, there may be more of those things down there. They, they may be still yeah. there. This is like exploring the Congo or, or the desert. You don't know what's down there, but, and you, we might, we might lose some people, but we also might ultimately take control of it, whatever it is. That's the way the world works. 
you said it all that out loud, right? About the indigenous mm -hmm. species. Okay. Yeah. I situate myself at the back of the party. This is this is this is this is the nineteen thirties, not modern times. We 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 want to take over things. We don't care about the indigenous. For sure, I think I'll stand behind Nigel, but I'm going to bring my uh, my medical bag with me and all that stuff. So. All right. Toss a little dynamite into a shotgun and see what happens. I can run fast. Of course, it might just make fifty little little tiny shotguns. All right. Okay. So you head off. You're all, are you all going, I assume? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's the easiest place to get to. You literally cross the runway, you walk across the flat ground. It's a broad expanse of nothing, and then you're at this broad mound of rubble. It, it's, it's eroded. I mean, even the, the rubble itself, whatever fell here fell a long time ago because the rubble has been smooth around the edges. And uh, it's seven yards high, nearly 100 yards across this pile of rubble. And uh, the broken stones piled up high above the ice. Um, there's walls and bunkers uh, 30 to 40 feet high in one side. Uh, from the air, uh, you can see the large pit in the center, of course. But you have to get up and over this broken rubble to do it. Is it fairly easy to do? Is it like going up the pyramids steps? Hmm. It, it takes some skill, but I mean, you've all practiced a bit going across the ice and such. Captain Sugden? Mm -hmm. Yes, he, he, he will need to assist you uh, in some situations, but uh, you're up and over. And uh, yeah, you, you look down and there's a six, I, I'd say it's better part of 60 feet deep. Oof. Or sorry, 20 yards deep. 20 yards or 60 feet, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Is there a is there in fact a spiral ramp going down? Uh you have to look a little bit. Okay. Uh, you wander around and uh, yeah, there seems to be um, a bit of a, a sloping, not very well kept, but I mean, yeah, there, it has ice on it, so that it's still it's still difficult to get down, but it's not impossible. So yes, you can. Fall, you'd all have to make a dexterity of some sort of roll or something like that. Well, shall we attempt going down this ramp? That's what we're here for. It's kind of icy if we, if we start sliding. We'll get to the bottom quick. <laughs> Is that about 60 feet down? Mm -hmm. 60 feet. Mm. Oh. We go slip and slide. Any, any, any suggestions, Captain Sugden? I am very help? dexterous. Well, I'm thinking that perhaps we should rope ourselves together. Okay. That way, if one person falls, then the rest of us are still stable so that we can pause and they can get up. And hopefully, okay. we won't yeah. all of us slide down at the same time. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So, yes, you can. Um, you can, using that and other methods you know and your polar travels to date, you are able to get down to the bottom of the pit without okay. any major issues. Um, could someone make a spot hidden once you reach the bottom? Sure. Ooh, made it. 
Sure, I didn't. I didn't. I did not. Okay. I did. Oh, I did I make got... it. I didn't realize I had that no. high. I got I really got well, 11 out of 75. What did you get, Greg? I actually got an 11 out of 45. Okay. Well, you probably saw it first, unless uh, Jerry got a better roll. I got I got a 25 out of a 45. Okay. Okay. Well, Greg, Greg sees it. You see it second. There's a little sticking out of a crevasse in the wall. Like there's there's different ways you can go at the bottom of this pat this there's a T junction. Um, there's a twist of paper stuffed in the corner of a, a crack. Like you're gonna grab it. Take it out and read it. And it says, it? "Abandon all hope, all ye who enter here." <laughs> you grab a hold of it. Do you pull on it? No, just joking. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. It, it's you're a twist of paper. It's a twist of blank paper. Uh, it's a blank. It's like a strip of paper torn from a notebook, uh, yellowed, several years old. Um, and you look on the ground, and you do see there's like shredded paper going in all in both directions. Now that you've seen this, and you look down on top of the white ice and snow, there's little bits of paper here, and they're shredded. Dyer came this way. That thing is making a nest. Well, there's two. Um, there's two directions you can go. There's a southward, which is uh, an up, uphill trail, and and the other. Which way does not lead to a certain death? Ah, oh, oh, neither. Both. Both both oh, ways I... lead to uncertain death. <laughs> yeah, that's always right. lead to uncertain. So death. southward would would be towards back towards the mountains, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and roughly how far are we at the moment from the mountains? 10 miles. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not that far. Uh, it's I actually, yeah. I would suggest we go uphill and, and make sure we have some way of marking where we are so that we can find our way back. Well, I have a notebook. I can, you know, follow the established procedure and just you know, stick, you know, pieces of paper in, you know, crevices as we move. And, you know, we know that, you know, it's nice, you know, yellow legal pad, let's say, to differentiate it from the previous uh, travelers. I've, I've got a big piece of chalk and... Um, what color are the walls? Pardon me? What color are the walls? Well, that's the interesting thing. As your eyes adjust to light and you look around, um, there's about a dozen archways you do make out. Half or more of them are blocked with heavy stones and rocks. Uh, the walls are covered with gigantic, colorful murals. They're worn over time. Uh, the rock itself is just stone. Like I mean, is it dark gray. or light? If he's going to use chalk. Ah. Uh, it's not stark white. Okay. Stark weather white. Um, stark weather white is a new color. Is it possible to see what, the, the, to, to make out any details of the murals or are they too warm? 
yeah, you can. Uh, absolutely, you can make others murals. And it's the same elder things, uh, various murals of them doing what you assume are everyday things in their lives. It's very similar to what you may have seen in other cultures, except... Are they, using, are they using tools? Yes. There's your arms. Well, they seem to be using them with those filaments on their sides. Mm -hmm. it's, it's strange, but um, according to Dyer, they get better as, as you go down. Obviously away from the, the weather. We've got the weather here, but let's um i'm going to suggest that we go uphill because if we go downhill we're going where they came from and i i'd rather see the safe part of the city than the dangerous part of the city at least that's my character's opinion uh there is a sculpture uh you know as you it, it follows a spiral towards you you missed it as you were coming down uh it's it's quite amazing uh, has a needle cap spire in the center. Um, you can see carvings of frond-like trees, uh, grassy swords, swords, uh, curving rows of pyramids. Uh, it, it's like a lot of drawings of the city itself. Right. Mm -hmm. They were uh, an advanced culture. Plants and trees, you say? Yes. It would tend to speak to a temper, a different temperature climate here. Mm. You know, more of a tropical as opposed to an Arctic. Yeah, somehow they managed to warm the area, I, I guess. Also notice here, too, that these plants that they're depicting, those are what you would expect to see 600 million years ago. You're not going to find any little pictures of flowers. They didn't exist yet. No, they look like the fossil record. Right. These look like like uh, cyanids and, uh, and ferns and things like that, giant tree ferns and pines. Very... I don't even want to say what the implication actually is here but we're probably going to see it on the walls. So can we move on? Yep. Uh, um, could someone else, uh, who's up front? I, who's, what, what order are you walking in right now? I guess I'm kind first. of up front. Okay, mm, could, could you do a spot I would, hidden? I would, say mix, I would say Captain Sugden is leading, then maybe Professor or Dr. Lindenbrook. Sure, go ahead, both of you could do I need the, both, the two, first two people to do a, a spot hidden. Okie dokie. Uh, 18, yes. Okay. 39 out of 50. God, I've actually made a roll. Amazing. Huh. Well, as, as you're passing on, um, you pass an archway as you're, as you're heading out down the, towards this pathway, you do see another yellow piece of paper twisted into a crack. So we're following in their footsteps would be the would be the implication here. Now, when we open up the paper, there was nothing written on it, so they're just they're not leaving notes. They're just using it as a tracking mechanism, like yeah. breadcrumbs. Just leave the paper there. We'll see if we can okay. figure out where they went. All right, moving along. Um, mm -hmm. Could someone do a track roll or something akin to tracking? If you don't have no one has track. 
I have I've got 40. No. 36 out of 50. Excellent. Um, as you're walking along and you're, you're, you, you say down below, just to the right of your leg, it, just before you hit the wall, you see something and you adjust and you look down, you sort of move your lantern or whatever you're carrying off to the side a bit, move it a bit again, and you say, oh, oh, look, it's another one of those um, marks, those, those prints that are not boot prints. Those, those triangular marks. Mm-hmm. In the air here, I mean, it, it being cold and flat, it, are we smelling anything organic smells? Hmm. Good point. Um, no, you're not smelling anything similar to what you'd smell. And yet, so you, you do know that you do remember that, of course, that the creatures do have a bit of a fishy odor to them. But you know, you do not smell it at present. However, because of your role, Nick, uh, you're actually able to tell that these tracks are relatively recent. Really? Holy mackerel. Do you, share this, do you share this knowledge with the rest of us? Yes, I will. But, but the, what's recent for here? Could it be the three years ago? Do you have track as well, you said? I do, but I didn't pass. Okay. Um, there's... Is there any air movement down here? Slight. Not, you, you, there's no breeze that you can identify the direction it's coming from, but it's not stagnant air down here. And is the track like in the dust or in the snow? I mean, is there any snow where we are now? Uh, it's crystalline snow and that has formed in the air and fallen within the air where you are. Yes, it is relatively new and it is in relatively fresh hmm. snow. Recent, wow. as in not hundreds of years old, or dozens or three years old. This is fresh. All right, folks. Dyer describes this city as being almost completely buried in ice, and that's not what we're seeing outside. All right. I'm just going to pull my gun out of the holster, and I'm just going to carry it. I uh, mm -hmm. I want everybody to be cautious. I think that I, I'm going to posit a theory about what happened back in our camp, back in the late camp. I think that somehow these elder things that were preserved somehow for 600 million years, I think that they woke up. I'm, I'm, I'm adopting that theory now. I don't think that they, if they were in a highly advanced civilization, I don't think that they realized that we were too. They thought we were just animals, along with the dogs, just animals. They slaughtered us for food and came back here. I think that we could have there's a there's a hope that we could communicate with them if we could convince them that we are an intelligent species also. I think they're just people like us, just in a different shape. They're 
they're just trying to live. This was their civilization. And they were confused about where they were. Well, you can be the peacemaker, but you can, I'm going to speak softly and carry a big stick. Well, we don't want to get killed. But we don't want to go shooting people for no reason. You if we going. can avoid it. Yeah, I, right. I, 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 think right. the, I think the word people is a misnomer in this. If it makes, I, you, I look, if it makes you more comfortable, we will not start shooting until after you're eaten. Look, look <laughs> around you. You have paintings and sculptures and a city that, 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 that rivals Constantinople at its height. These are people. They're just different than us. Well, let's keep exploring. That's what we're here for. And if they can understand art, they can certainly understand us with a little effort. Is this the same person who just minutes ago talked about wiping out their civilization? Well, I don't think there's probably many of them left, but I'm just, I can change my mind as I go along. Okay. <laughs> 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 the, the, the whole notion of, the, of art and architecture, I mean, they, they, these were intelligent creatures with a, a, a culture, a civilization. Yes. I mean, goodness, we've... We can come in peace, but we're prepared for war. How how old is human civilization? I mean that that dates back to Mesopotamia. That's that's it's um that's nothing. It's actually another thing covered in the dire manuscript. Can I just point out they've been around for a long time? What's that? You know they've had to. You know they're run-ins, and I'm sure they've had to wipe out you know wipe out any competition. You know they've lasted this long, so. The dire, dire Party talks about these same murals and bas-reliefs that describe massive wars that they had, mm -hmm. just like we've had, with other things. Other things? Well, things that may, may have been wiped out by them 600 million years ago. I don't know. Well, I haven't seen the bas-reliefs yet. I'm, I'm very interested to see. I think this is their history we're seeing I'm fine with not going in and causing genocide but at the same time I don't want to end up in a petri dish are any of you religious not anymore no <laughs> study some of the major religions. I don't go to church but I would consider myself religious well the worst implication of the dire manuscript that we're going to eventually see for ourselves because it's going to be here on the walls and murals the implication is that we were invented by them there is no god we are simply an experiment that they used as a slave race and possibly so are we as walking food. and talking are we making forward progress here i assume so yeah hang on did, sorry did, did, did you just say food Sure. I mean, <laughs> we eat our cattle, and they're also a slave, uh, more or less a slave race that we created. Was that something in the book, or is that something you're suggesting? It's suggested in the book by what he saw in these murals and paintings. 
So the humans were in those paintings. And some of them. Okay. So if we did encounter one of these creatures, we'd, we'd essentially be a flock of chickens attempting to communicate with a farmer. I don't think that the humans that they created were as advanced as we have become. I don't feel terribly advanced right now. Uh, it's true. I think we have to let go of all of our ties to uh, any kind of religious beliefs that we've had and realize that we're just another thing living on a planet. We're not as high up on the food chain as we thought. But I think that in the last, in all, in all this time, we've advanced, so. Should we have science and technology on our side? We have weapons, you know. Like I say, yeah, drop a few bombs in here and their city's going to fall into rubble. But I, I, I don't advocate that, but defense is defense. Sean, you were saying something, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, as you're walking, um, you're passing by like a, a piece of the, of a, of a an arching ramp that's collapsed from another uh, long forgotten passageway upward. And uh, could you up front, uh, Captain Sugden and Spa Hidden, and then whoever's behind them as well if they fail? Oh, oh one. 23. I don't ever remember ever rolling all one. <laughs> Excellent. You're passing by, you're talking, you're chatting away quietly. And um, under the edge of this, the piece of ramp that hasn't collapsed, you see a hawk is the best way to describe it, similar to what you saw around the lake camp before. I'm sorry, we see what? And... Uh, a hummock. A hummock. Like a, a raised... Something covered in snow. A raised, like a, oh. a raised mound. Like one of the graves that we found for these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can... Um, it's rounded, like, like snow and some dust and things have just sort of landed on it over time and it's rounded. Like, it, it, well, actually, now that you look at it, it looks like it's it's been covered neatly with snow. Gentlemen? What do you think? In my imagination, or does this look like it's been buried? How big? Three feet high, five feet across. Hard-packed snow. Artfully molded as you get not to be rounded, but as you stand over it, you see that it's actually a five-pointed star shape to it. Hmm. Interesting. They're they're the creatures themselves are five five pointed. Hmm. Five point symmetry. Radial symmetry. Should we try to taking up the back, by the way, just so I know. And not to because anything's gonna eat you this second. <laughs> I'm at the back. No, I'm at the back. I'm at the back as well. All right, could you two make a spot hidden while they're they're looking at this and deciding what to do? I, so I, I guess I'm in the middle somewhere since we got a bunch of volunteers for the front and a bunch of volunteers for the back. Not a chance, 97. I failed. I got a 20. 
as, as you're watching them look at this five-pointed star of hard, hard packed snow, you look a little farther to your left, and in the shadows, a little bit farther, you see what looks exactly like a sled, the corner of a sl dog sled sticking out of the snow. Let's see, Nigel, check that out over there. <laughs> you go check that out, Nigel. Look at that, Nigel. You didn't see this, but look, now that I've seen it, you get to go check it out. <laughs> go, check, go check it out. Yeah. Okay. Let's both so you, you, check it out. I'll assume you two are walking over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are the I, first, first guys? What are you going to do with the... Uh, well, um, how, how hard packed, Dr. S uh, um, Captain Sugden, can we use your pick to kind of open up part of it and see what's inside? Yes, let, let's, let's do that. Um, yes. Is there a star stone on top of it? Hmm. I assume you dig down the one foot depth into the center of it that you found the other ones at? Yeah. Yes. No, you do not. Probably don't carry them around in their pockets, or so. But okay, we start to dig through like one of the arms. What do we? Uh... The arms, nothing. It's just it's just hard packed snow. Hmm. What about um, continuing to dig down into the center? Well, as you proceed to the center, dig, 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 dig. Again, you get you. It's just snow until you hit the surface, and it's like the ground is raised up a little bit. Um, you'll have to work at it a little bit more. Okay, so we're doing that while they're doing there. Okay, they're playing with rosebud. Yep. You guys, uh, Jerry, or sorry, uh, Nigel, and uh, God, um, Roger Hawks, Doctor Hawks. You guys walk over there, and Gregory, you're kind of meandering in between i guess uh, i'm making find... sure our trail is marked that's right uh you're dropping the breadcrumbs uh you uh you find very it's not covered with snow it just was lightly covered three dog sleds and as you're looking at them um could you do an idea roll sure oh yeah easy Oh yeah, pass that. Okay, uh, you find uh, the dog sleds. These are the ones that uh, you remember hearing about. Three dog sleds that, that were removed from Lakes Camp. Like there, there should have been dog sleds there. They were gone. That's one of the things that was noticed in, in the rescue reports that there are no dog sleds there, and uh, all the runners have been removed from the sleds. Hmm. Strange. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the other two, Dr. Linenbrook, uh, you did actually find one of those starfish-shaped um, pieces of soap, soapstone. Soapstone rocks. When you get down to the surface of the ground where the snow meets the ground, you did actually find one. Wow. Well, an elaborate way of burying it. Mm -hmm. And as this you dig... Was... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just, but this was obviously built somewhat recently. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Cool. Yeah, you, you were saying, Sean. Oh, you're pushing away the snow as you find this. You describe it, and um, you brush away the uh, some of the, the earth underneath the snow, because even though it's frozen, you can, you can move away some of the earth. And a piece of tarpaulin comes out, like, like it's still attached. Something is in the soil wrapped in a tarp, a, a tarpaulin. Oh. And it's it's something that looks like it's it's like a tarpaulin that that we've made, like a cloth. Mm -hmm. Human, yes. Cloth, okay. It's the missing body. Possibly. Are you sure you want to I be taking that up? I got the sleds over here. Well, we got some very strange thing going on here. Something buried. Well, we we still have to find out what this is, but someone, something buried a body in a very ritualistic manner, and it definitely wasn't one of us because we don't build star-shaped graves. Let's see if this is actually a human body or something down here. This could be the coat. It's possible. Are you sure you want to dig well, this thing up? I, I, I think I agree with Dr. Lindenbrook. I, th I think we should at least find out what if, if this if this is a human body, then if those things afforded a human body some form of, of, of ritual burial, surely that would suggest that they've realized that, we're intelligent. Exactly. That they've they they right. they, they, they right. rationalized that, that we're intelligent. That takes it to a whole new level of communication and empathy and you know possible coexistence or at least respect. Sean, are we able to determine the size of this? Is it seem like a human body buried, or does it seem like an elder thing size? You push some soil away, and it's like head sized, poking up. So just about this big. big okay. So can we kind of unwrap the tarpaulin? Well, you can. You have to extract the body. You, you can tell now it's a body when you feel the. It's frozen solid. It's standing up this way. It's upright. Yes, the yeah, way it it's is. buried vertically as opposed to horizontally. The can way we, they buried themselves. Okay. Do we need to extract it, or can we just see that there is a human head there? Like you by can unwrapping attempt to unwrap it. Mm -hmm. It's frozen, but you can you pull away a bit. You can see human hair and a head. Oh it, man, it's a human being, and he's been buried the way they bury their dead. Mm -hmm. Dang. This also means that they're still here. Yeah, somewhere. Yes. Maybe from now on we should all whistle. Did you make an idea roll, Doctor Lindenbrook? Sure. Whistle and I'll come to you, my lad. Idea roll. Uh, yes, I passed by five points. Got 65 mm -hmm. out of 70. Okay, thinking back to the story, the, the dire information you have, mm -hmm. the dire manuscript, whatever you wish to call it, um, are the, you, you think to yourself, this is probably Paul Gedney, the missing... Paul Gedney. The one yeah. that the... The, the other people thought was responsible for uh, the things happening at the camp because he was missing. Yeah, this is probably Paul Gedney. 
Um, I don't think he was responsible, of course, for any of it. I think he was probably brought here by by the elder things. And Captain Sugden, you are noticing there are uh, elder thing footprints again, still in the, in this area around the five pointed star and such. And in fact, as you were as you were moving this, the hard packed snow, you did actually see some markings that looked like odd triangular tipped markings on some of the snow. Captain, based on what we've seen so far, could you guesstimate a direction the things are going based on the prints? Or are they kind of randomized all over? We don't know what... The shape of them makes it very difficult to estimate. But I'll have a look and see. They look like they're the... They look like they are the pads that are on the end of the tentacles on the base of the creature. Yes. So I'm guessing that if they drag themselves, if they reach forward with that pointed thing and pull, that they're that they should be the point should be pointing in the direction that we're going. Yeah. There will be a general path, won't there? Unless, of course, they've got the oh. They've got the tentacles on the sides and behind them. The ones on the sides would be this way, and the ones behind them would be this way. <laughs> be very oh, they've got, they mainly clustered around this, this area where we've been digging. You've seen them occasionally as you walk, but uh, there's a lot of movement. Something was moving around this area where this five-pointed thing was. Um, do, do you want to try to track their movements? Yes, I shall attempt to do that. All right. I'll do the same. Thirteen out of uh, fifty. You can certainly see that they are heading down a specific pathway through one of the nearby archways. And it is a ramp that is heading downwards. They seem to be going down there. As best I can tell, they're heading down that ramp there. Then the question becomes, do we want to follow them? And are we, time prepared? are we prepared? Yeah, we got to watch our time, too, because we need mm -hmm. to be back yeah. up to camp. Time-wise, you are at the three-hour mark. Now, granted, your return would not take you three hours, you realize that. It's right. you're wandering and exploring. You're at the three-hour mark, and you are close to uh, the time you need to return to get oxygen. Oh, okay. Here's an interesting idea. Why don't we do something like shoot a gun? If it can attract their attention, then maybe one or two would come to investigate as opposed to walking into a room with a 100 of them. But if if they're if they're familiar with the sound of, of, of gunfire, then they may Bang a rock. take that as a as a threatening Bang a rock. We could just take in play the harmonica. What if we attract the attention of the other thing 
Well, that's a risk. The Shoggoth. I'm also thinking it may be possible that they buried Gedney before they went down below, and then they were killed by the Shoggoth. That would fall in line with what Dyer said. Or we could go get oxygen and talk about it in a safer place. Well, do we have to get oxygen now, or, or can we go for another two hours and then go back? and then get oxygen. Your tanks last for about four hours and you're at three hours right now. Oh, we have to go back. All right, let's go back and talk to, talk to Dyer, I'm talk to uh, more. All right. Okay. Please tell him that we found the, the direction that Dyer, the Dyer party went. Right, because if we decide to go back down, we might want to take a little bit <clears throat> larger a, party. We could also take an extra, some extra oxygen with us so that we can uh -huh. go twice as far. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, you reluctantly turn back. Your return is no... Well, could everyone make a listen roll, please? Who made it? Mm. Just yes. 63 out of 70. I made mine. I rolled a lot of two. 49 out of 50. <laughs> did anyone make like a really good roll? Well, I did. A two? A two out of a... Four. I made a 12. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I made I made a, a half. Okay. Not, okay. not an extreme, but I made a hard. Well... I think it's Greg then. You said you made rolled two, Greg? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, you hear very far down the pathway, down that, that tunnel where you were about to go down, you hear a very faint hooting sound, but it's like multiple mouths hooting at once, like hoo-hoo-hoo. Imagine five owls in a bag. There you go. Food owls in a bag. That's harmonizing. Yeah, that's it. So you hear this. It's very distant, very faint. The rest of you just you hear your own boot noises. Um, you think you hear something. You might hear some faint whistling. And it sounds similar to what you heard above ground, but a little louder. Um, I'm going to go up and. I could just let uh, Captain Sugden know, because you know, he's sort of you know, leading the way. Um, I know how you want to approach this. I'm pretty sure I can hear something down there. So, <laughs> Well, um, there's, there's not really much we can I mean, we're about to run out of oxygen, so there's not really much yeah. we can do about it, other than, uh, than, than uh, retreat. I mean, even if it is something that wanted to communicate, we wouldn't be able to do that. We, we. My my guess is that I mean, we've we've reached a point that's that's roughly at the extent of our oxygen, yeah. mm -hmm. and we've we got the bottom. No, we have to put our own safety. You wonder whether that chap went the same way. All I need is one stick of dynamite and one match, <laughs> and a good arm. But do you have any dynamite with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> 
when the GM asks questions like that, you always say yes. Because I asked you everything you were supposed to be bringing with you. I said, what are you bringing? Um, so you, you get to the ramp going up again. Uh, uh, quick question. Yeah, sure. Are we leaving the Gedney body there? It's, so far, it would take us an hour and a half to dig it out. Okay. It's frozen into the ground. Well, oh. no, no. There's a shaft. This is what you determine. There's a shaft, and the body is wrapped in something and lowered into the shaft, and some loose dirt and the snow built over top of it. You could extract it, but it would take a little bit of work. I would, well, I would prefer to replace the, uh, the, the, the five pointed stone on top of it and, and perfunctorily just. Pats or so yeah. over the top of it in a in a rough five pointed star. Right, we don't want yeah, to desecrate it. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just to sort of that. just to demonstrate that we understand what it is. Right, mm -hmm. right. On our way back, I want to keep. I, I want to sort of study not not in depth, but the style of art. Of, of, of pictograms that are being used or whatever you want yep. to call them. Sure. Because I have an idea, but I'll, I'll get to that when we get back out and get some oxygen. Okay. You can, yeah, you can certainly uh, All right. watch as you go, so to speak. Right. You know, because if they were Egyptian, all the people are dressed like this or whatever, but I want to get the sort of the gist of the style of the way that they're done. All right. Okay. So, Egyptians and their voguing. All right. Everybody, um, it's a slippery path upward, but I assume you use a rope method of uh, mm -hmm. traversing a slippery spot. I assume you've got your boots with your spiky bits on the bottom. Uh, you get back up. You walk across the 150 yards it is to the camp, and uh, Mr. Moore's giving you the wave. Uh, they've got the, the oxygen tent set up, and he says, you fellows must be getting low on some air there. Come on in. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. So they've definitely, they've got it all set up. There is definitely a, uh, like, I guess it would be one, two, three, four. It's about 4.30, no, 4.45 now, just as you uh, arrive, you see Mr. Starkweather coming around the corner, so he's arrived, he's returning as well. Well, we'll, go ahead and, we'll go ahead and debrief the two of them mm -hmm. and let them know of our what we found, what we saw, the conclusions we came to, how we left it, and how we think we should move forward. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I just realized I'd made a note and I forgot to ask. Um, I hope this doesn't ruin the flow. But I was just wondering, when, when um, Dr. Lindenbrook was looking at the murals, Yes. Um, what, what, did, did the murals feature any of that same pattern of dots that we'd seen um, elsewhere and on, on, the, um, on the stars and things? As a matter of fact, yes. Yes, they do. Um, you do see that this pattern of dots, uh, you recognize it is not just random. That's it, really. I mean, it, it's, 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 do you see it? Yes. Probably a language. Does it have repeating patterns? Mm-hmm. 
As you study it, as you're walking by and looking, yes, yes, you do see that. Is it? Does it seem like it's all based on the number five? You know, five dots yeah. in various patterns. Yes. We need a we need a Rosetta Stone. Everything a lot seems to be based on five. Five mm-hmm. is very right. important. So what I'm going to do while I'm sitting here is I am since I I I I know how to sketch, I know how to draw. I am going to make my own pictograph in my notebook as large as the page and basically try to convey um, what we are, what they are, and demonstrate that we're intelligent, you know, symbols, math, whatever, (laughs) so that when they show up, I can just hold this up and let them (laughs) look at it and they'll be like, oh, wait, they're intelligent. You've insulted their race, and they right. Yeah. Oh, look! It I, says eat Sugden first. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> I was thinking I copy some of the dot patterns, and, and it says eat me. So your your mother hybridizes <laughs> with <laughs> primate like, livestock. Smells like elderberries. It says, it says tastes great <laughs> and less filling. Human light. Well, it's Mr. Professor Moore is exceedingly interested, especially in your description of the the murals and the language. Um, They both take the news about the the body. Very confusing. They don't understand why, why would they have buried it like one of their own when they flayed the skin off of us elsewhere and shredded our dogs. Perhaps he was able to communicate with them in some rudimentary way and demonstrate his intelligence to them. They realized later that we were an intelligent species and they didn't realize it when they were in the camp. Hmm. Maybe, Maybe they just thought they were being attacked by monkeys, you know. Interesting. Especially oh. especially since some of the monkeys had already dissected some of their comrades. Hmm. There is that. There's definitely that. Hmm. Uh, and just so you are all in the know, here is a copy you can see now of what the plaza looks like. Cool. So you can see that the the campsite that there's there is a building over here that has been converted into a campsite for you. That's the pit you went down in. Um, there's two aircraft, just to give you a rough idea of what it looks like for now. Okay, interesting. Enormous. It's ridiculously it large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely enormous. Uh, yeah, this, this city we're in is what thousands of feet high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. yep. You know, the, uh, Professor Moore has food ready for you. Um, he's got a little his his, his uh, what you call it his um, the campsite is set up. There are three oxygen tents, supplies, trail radios, uh, little cook area. They've got a, a a double wall barrier to try to make it as is. Although the outside of the tents is not a place where you can breathe um, mm-hmm. safely. It's still it's it's there's it's just more encapsulated than 
than it had been. Okay. It's, no it's pressure, funny no that pressure, man. No pressure. I'm sitting here I'm, thinking I'm about fasc- what am I going to do? I'm fascinated by the, 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 the notion that Dr. Lindenbrook, Dr. Lindenbrook brings up that, that that's some sort of language. I'd, I'd assumed that it was just some sort of decorative motif. Same here, right, right. But if it, if it is a language, then that, 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 that introduces the idea that we might actually be able to communicate with them. Well, the paintings themselves are a kind of language. Yes, of course. Story. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to think that somehow the filament of their, I suppose we call it their hand, which is has much, you know, it's all based on five, but it's it's got multiple tendrils, for lack of a better word, that it could create a pattern of language in the same way that we create pattern of language. I mean, you said before that the the manuscript suggested that they they created us. Yes. I can't help but wonder if that's why we've got five fingers. I think that's why most of the life on this planet is based on base five. See, I think it looks like something like cuneiform. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little something that they could make with their right you know slash or point or right where it's it's uh, like in clay or something of that nature where it's mm-hmm. easily pressed they were definitely an advanced civilization uh-huh. now whether they would be hostile imagine they'd be a little hostile considering what their city looks like right now but that's why I'm hoping in this, in making this drawing to convey cooperation and not, you know, I don't want to put humans over here and them over here and make it look like one of their, their pictographs where they're fighting with one another. Right. I want to put humans and these things together, working on things together. Maybe they'll understand. Maybe the simple fact that I created the picture. They'll, they'll realize that... That you're the one that wants to get married. That, yeah. <laughs> that I'm self-advertising. <laughs> this piece of meat is quite tender here. <laughs> this, yeah. Then we fail. Then we fail. But what if we succeed? Well, the good thing is, is that we don't have to worry about nighttime. You know, we, we can go, we can rest, we can go back, you know, get rested, get our oxygen refilled get some food, you know, think about anything else now that we've kind of get, got the lay of the land. Is there any other tools that we need? Is, is there anything else we want to bring for our next trip down? Extra oxygen. Yeah. Cameras, cameras, definitely cameras. Yep, yep. Flash bulbs. Guns. <laughs> well, there's definitely... Uh, there's food ready for you, and uh, the way it works now is two people eat, then they go in the tents to go on their sleeping shift in the oxygen tents because you don't have to wear the fittings and the breathing masks mm-hmm. and all that. So it's a long, it's an elaborate procedure. There's three, obviously there's three tents, so th- six people can be sleeping at any one time. Mm-hmm. So you go through your eating, you go through your shifts, you're discussing. 
Um, Professor, Moore, sorry, uh, Mr. Starkweather is very excited. He shows you these brought back these coasters, he calls them, which are like giant um, coin-like things with carvings on them. Uh, he's, he's, he's found some chips, pieces of murals and such that are similar to what you saw down below. And he's very excited um, for the next day. He just, he wants to keep going. And uh, Professor Moore is so excited, he doesn't even want to sleep. So he's, uh, he's, he's quite, quite excited. He says, you know, one thing that's very interesting is I think it's too cold for softwoods to have survived up here, even, even if it was warmer at one time, which it seems to imply. I think I got to find some wood, wood. So if you're in, if you see any, any wood being used in any of the manu manufactured pieces of these, this rubble, I'd certainly like some. You're hoping to date based mm -hmm. on the wood. Yes. Well, we found, we found dog sleds. <laughs> no, I, he's, he's talking, he wants to right. date it by the rings on the wood. We, you may find that more difficult than you think because based on the, the murals that we saw, you're probably, hardwood might not have even existed yet. We've got pine and we've got ferns that are depicted in these in these things, but there's no, there's no deciduous trees yet. I'm just, just Dyer said this, this, this the, Dyer said the city had greenery. It did. It didn't have greenery, but the greenery was pretty soft. Mm. Palm trees, anything from 600 million years ago is palm trees and brackens and, True. and, and ferns and things, but we might get lucky. We might find something. Yeah. Well, if you if find they something, burn, if they burn food for fuel. Well, there's a possibility that the, the deeper we go, the warmer it gets, or That's at least true, less, too. you know, less, hostile to there the plant life. There, there must be a point at some point descending through the city. There must come a point where we would encounter a temperature, an environment which was for the, the ideal for preservation. Right. At I some think strata, there must be the right kind of temperature for that. I think these creatures probably lived both on land and sea because they're definitely built for underwater if they need to go and if there is a sea down there there may be a civilization right under our feet and this is just right. the just the frozen part that they don't ever come into anymore right because of this damage they may have been forced underground if it went once it went from tropical to ice age maybe they needed to go deeper to survive the ice age i i actually think that they're uh What's the word? Uh, they, they're scouting. They're actually sending patrols throughout the upper city. We've seen footprints everywhere. Well, these may be the ones that, that came from the camp. Maybe they're the scouts. Maybe they're guards. It's possible. Well, I think just for safety's sake, I think we definitely want to post guards. You know, it's good that we've, you know, that we're in this. Well, I think we need to make sure that where we built camp, we want to make sure that no one can sneak up behind us because we're in that little crevice, right? We want to make sure that we can't get attacked from behind, but we also want to post guards, I think, because the possibility exists. 
that we could be approached or we could be, you know, that they could come looking for us. This, these piping sounds that we're hearing vaguely, does it sound like something that we could reproduce by like whistling or? If you had a big set of pan pipes, like this is like, this is where, it, oh no. It's too musical in range, okay. I thought Mick was gonna whip out a big set of pan pipes he had behind the couch or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just owls. <laughs> a bag of owls and a set of pan pipes. Yeah. Just that. Um, a bag of so, owls and a hammer. I, I, Dr. Lindenbrook just, as ha ha just happens to carry a didgeridoo <laughs> in his back pocket. No. I would scare the crap out of him. Please, please, didgeridoo. That's right. As you're thinking about the sounds they make, there is that. You are starting to think, you know, it's, it's constant. Does it change with the wind? And this is the thing. As the wind changes direction, you're not noticing that shift. You're not huh. noticing that it, it, the change. So you don't really know what, what it is, what's going on. But well, that's little buggers, aren't they? Does it yeah. sound polyphonic? Yes. Is there any way we could identify the tones? You know, C sharp. Does anybody have music? Well, that's why I asked earlier if anyone had music. Oh. Might be able to make a little bit of a call on some of that. I should have brought my fiddle. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no musician. I only know the basics, the, the modal minor, the fifth, the apex, <laughs> the squirrel. Does, does, does somebody have a harmonica? <laughs> the harmonica saves everything in this story. <laughs> everything just drops covering its ears with tentacles. Um, well, the, uh, everyone has eaten. Um, turns are being taken in the tents uh, for napping. Mr. Napping, sleeping. Professor Moore doesn't seem to want to sleep. Um, he's so excited by all the things that are being brought to him to examine. But uh, you do all get your turn for sleeping, and you do all take your turn at the, all the usual security detail and such. Uh, the next day, the next day rolls around, and uh, it's it's a windy day. It's it's not as nice and happy, and it's not as good as it was. Um, it's it's a little more uh, the jet stream over the pass is gone, so uh, the vapor sh shift the vapor that was shifting before has now moved over top of the city, and the, there's a halo over the sun. Uh, temperature is bitterly cold at minus thirty Fahrenheit. It's, it's only a few degrees warmer than before, but um, yeah, the, it's just the absence. Of the, it, it just the wind is gone as of the time you all are awake, though. And uh, Mr. Starkweather is very excited. Uh, he says, "Let's. Uh, we should shift the camp to an even more exciting location, perhaps." Uh, but then someone reminds him that uh, you don't have oxygen to do that. And he's, he's, ah, damn. And Professor Moore says, "You know what, guys? Um, should probably release a pilot balloon at some point to make sure the winds are gone, and we should probably at some point um, 
start preparing for when we have to leave. And with that, the wind picks up again. Uh, you have breakfast. Um, everyone's roused uh, by 9 o'clock. Uh, different little groups of people are wandering off again. Uh, anyone who's taken polar survival is noticing that the, other than you guys staying in your group, not a lot of directions being given by Mr. Starkweather about like how to stay safe. It's just everyone's just sort of wandering off around. Even his own goal, he said, he said I'm just going to wander on down to those great big statues over the hills and see what's behind them. And he takes Ralph DeWitt this time to take him take camera and take photographs. Uh, that's it. He says, uh, let's get moving, guys. Uh, hmm. He's humming a well, happy I'm, tune. I'm, um, I'm going to make, make a, uh, a point of observing safety protocol with the, uh, the team that, that I'm with. Yeah, absolutely. Just because he's a little off his rocker doesn't mean we need to get sloppy. Do we do we want to go off on our own and go back down where we were or explore a little elsewhere? It's freaking cold out here. I'd like to go back to where we were. Agreed. And I would too. Agreed. Um, at the very least, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to know whether anything has, uh, has been through that area. Right, it'd be interesting to see if there were any fresh tracks, if anything may have noticed that we disturbed the area. Also, when we, when we're get, you know, when we're looking out the mouth of our uh, camp, do we see any tracks that aren't ours in the fresh snow? In the area, the plaza. Yes. You can look around and wander and. You don't see anything. I mean, there have been people on security detail throughout the day. So sure. Always somebody Tracks walking. that aren't ours. But nobody has, I mean, somebody's been watching the aircraft, watching the General Plaza, area. Right. it's fairly open. Okay. So you haven't seen anything. No one has seen anything. You don't see anything. Okay, good. No, I say we take some extra oxygen containers. Everybody grab an extra tank, maybe, for an extra four hours. And uh, I say we head back down. Agreed. If okay. you've got a weapon, I would highly recommend you bring it. Maybe we won't need it, but maybe we will. Sounds good. So who has weapons, by the way? I do. I, I, do. I have nothing. Yes, I have, I have my service revolver. Um, if somebody I has an extra rifle or something like that, they can lend me. I'll, you I'll can take you can it. take my Lee Ensfield. You have a scalpel. Just tape it to the end of it, <laughs> like a bayonet, a very scalpel sharp net. bayonet. <laughs> poke, poke. <laughs> For surgical strikes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everybody is thus armed. Then. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, it takes you a mere hour to get back down to where you were the day before. So you are back down where you were. Um, you had uh, found sleds. Yes, you're sleds. Sleds, star-shaped thing. There are no more tracks that you see anywhere around this area. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
uh, and it, the, you do see that the tracks of the elder things that were left before head in this one direction, uh, and that's the that's the area that Captain Sugden heads had with his tracking abilities that I know they went that way down. And Over. that's also where the doctor heard mm -hmm. the noises from. Yes. Well, I guess I want to make sure everyone understands that if we decide to move in that direction, that we could be coming face to face with these creatures. You know, if, if you, you know, it's, it's majority rule here. So, I mean, if you want to go exploring, let's do it. If you don't, then don't. Face to starfish, surely. Just uh, my recommendation is don't just shoot. No, no, no. We're going to try to communicate first, and if it doesn't work... Then shoot. Yeah. We must remember that they are intelligent creatures, that what happened before may well have been a misunderstanding, may have been a misunderstanding. Right, right. Okay. Hey, Sean, about the, um, the dog slids? Mm-hmm. You said the runners were already moves? The runners, and you also note as you look, as you pass by again, all the supplies, like the... the it's like it was opened up, emptied, blanket just lying flat down on top of the, the sleds. So any anything that would normally be on top of the sleds is gone. Would I know if those runners would be made out of wood or metal? Metal. And would I know, or could I tell by looking at it, um, were they removed like by force? Like are they smashed or were they like, you know, somebody actually undid all the screws or whatever, lashings or whatever, and they were removed? They have been removed as okay. if a mechanic had removed them or someone who was familiar with them. Okay, gotcha. Thanks. Could a runner have been used as an impromptu weapon? Pretty long, but uh, could have. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. They're heavy. I mean, they're, they're not light. It's not aluminum. Okay. About how long are they? What, eight to ten feet? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just want to. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, any other questions about the sleds or the general area before you decide what to do? Because it's a dark archway, and that's where the paths mm -hmm. go down. Mm -hmm. And it's forbidding, gently sloping ramp beyond, and. Uh, it's about six yards high, so it's fairly high right. and wide. And this one's sloping downward. It slopes downward, and as you look into it, uh, it's, it turns in a spiral. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming you continue down. It uh, spirals downwards um, through many turns. It's not steep. It's, you're not going to slip walking down or anything like that. Um, and as you keep going, uh, there are deeply incised simple signs and some external carvings in the walls and such. Have uh, I seen any more crumpled papers? If I hold my lantern against mm -hmm. the wall as we're walking down, have I seen any more rolled up pieces of paper? No, nothing more. There's actually no place to really put them now okay. because the walls aren't. And the other, the other times we were stuck in cracks, and so there's no mm -hmm. cracks. Mm -hmm. Deeply incised, but wider carvings. Um, the city on the markings throughout, uh, the city scenes that are shown, vegetation's all gone, buildings are empty, it's, it's much like it is now, minus all the decay. Hmm. 
Okay. And as you proceed, you get down to the bottom of the ramp. It's hundreds of feet down, 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 down. Uh, at the bottom of the ramp, the passage opens into a big, huge chamber. And, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, you, you, there's, some, there's a few basement chambers that the, the, are, widened out to them and then became back a tunnel again. And some short connecting tunnels here and there with nothing inside, uh, the, the usual murals and such. Um, Dr. Lindenbrook, you realize that this, you, that you, being familiar with Dyer's notes, you notice the lack of penguins. That we haven't seen any penguins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said we should be encountering penguins. What do you mean, like in the paintings, or you mean actually live? No, he claims that there were large penguins in the area. Albino penguins. Albino penguins. Blind albino penguins. Perhaps they've been used for food. Perhaps they migrate. That's what I was going to say, food source maybe. The um, the arches, yes, and ap- apertures and things. Is there any indication um, around the edges that that they may have had doors on them at any point? Mm. Yes, some of them do seem to have hinge-like uh, fittings. Uh. Not all. Not the larger ones, of course. In any of these, murals, sorry, sorry. I was just going to ask real quick. In any of these murals, have we seen any pictures of humans? Not yet. No. Okay. Or not as yet. <laughs> so you get right. to this large um, underground space. It's about thirty-six yards in diameter, eighteen yards high. Perfect hemisphere. Uh, chambers surrounded by a broad, uh, many broad, low archways. A uh, single large arch, five yards high. Um, this is definitely Dr. Lindbrook, as you remember it. Um, and whoever else looked at the manuscript, uh, the chamber described by Dyer previously. Right. There's many smaller archways. Some of them seem to have rock falls, and some extend into other underground passages. Do we find anything in the room other than, or is it clean? Ah, nothing so far. I mean, you're not seeing anything. It's a fairly open, empty room. Do we hear, I asked Dr. Hawks if he hears that noise that he heard previously. And do any of us hear it? Can I do a listen check again? You haven't heard anything so far, but you can check again. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 16. No. Hmm. Yeah, no sorry, I didn't only hear a thing. Interesting. Okay. Uh, another, sorry. Um, there's little lateral galleries that come off. The, the tunnel. I mean, a lot of them are closed off. Um, you look in, some of them are dead ends. Um, but j- just notice the farther you went down, the, the air gets warmer. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually quite, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's 
comfortable. It's more a winter's day than an Arctic day down here. Mm -hmm. And no foliage or anything like that yet. No, no. No, he doesn't describe any kind of plant. And so how many choices do we have here on as far as where to go? Well, there's the one main tunnel, mm -hmm. main way. And there's a few other little ones, but those ones, a lot of them are, are have rock fall blocking your way. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few that are just looking and then you see empty. Um, Tracks still, still leading down the main hallway? Yes. Okay. Well, I suggest that we just keep following the tracks and following this main artery. Could everyone make a listen roll, please? Made it. Listen. Well, made it just by, missed it by, I mean, I got it by four points. I failed by four okay. points. You, you failed, you say, Greg? Well, I four passed. Points. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I Nigel? Missed, I missed it by one. Yes. Okay. How, how well did you do? I did about half. Yeah, it's half. Good enough. Um, you hear a bit of a shuffling noise coming from the the large archway. The direction we were just getting ready to head in? Yeah. And then you think you hear a, a voice, like a voice saying a word. And you look around at the, the other people because it's, it sounds like actual words. Mm-hmm. Well, I pulled my Tekeleli. Tekeleli. Oh, shit. We need to go. <laughs> and at once, through the archway, shambles this bizarre creature. This thing rushes towards you. It is a, it is a, a slithering mass of tendrils and lumps and bumps, and it is just... It's the size, it, the size it, of a bus? No, this is not the size of a bus. This oh. is a size of a horse carriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, that makes uh, a difference. It's it's going it's moving right towards you. It is uh, not that's where we end it. <laughs> uh, not if you don't want to. So I mean well size, size wise, how big is it? Big. Um, way bigger than us, or yes, it's bigger than all of you, but it is not the size of the room. I mean, it's Volkswagen Beetle times two. <laughs> but it's it's the it's the Shugoth that we've been discussing. Yeah. Not the big one, but a smaller version of it. Um, smaller version <laughs> at this point mm -hmm. in time does it really matter? Mm -hmm. I think that, well, I don't know. We should run, but. Go hold, your, go hold your drawing up and see what happens. <laughs> hey, you want to communicate. Not with, thing. Not with that thing. Not with that thing. Well, what's your, what's, your, what's your movement, Dr. Lindenbrook? It's coming right at me. Yeah. Um. Wow, I didn't expect it. Um, I wonder are you if asking these... what, his, what his move rate is? Oh, yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Eight. No, not, not, yeah, this is moving fast towards you. Yeah. 
Oh. Well, I'm about to die. I think I'm going to yell. Um, but you've just got a distance. I mean, you're, you're, you're a good 40 feet away from me. I'm actually going to take my pistol, and I'm going to hold it up in the air, and I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot a warning shot. I'm, I'm running for the ramp. Sorry, I just what my body would do. Mm-hmm. But at the, same time, at the same time, I'm yelling, we're an intelligence piece. <laughs> <laughs> we come in peace. We come in peace. <laughs> oh, great. Now it's going to start going, we come in peace. We come in peace. And then they'll lead us. You leave in pieces. So. <laughs> we want to be your friends. <laughs> what Mars attacks. Now does it does it react in any way or stop or slow down when I fire the warning shot? No. It just keeps going whatever. Hey, hey, if, I see, <laughs> if I see Lindenbrook running, I'm gonna be right on his tail. All right, Greg. Greg uh, Captain or Arthur what the heck? Captain Doctor Hawk shoots. <laughs> Doctor Hawk shoots. Shoot. Roll. Tell me what you <laughs> <laughs> uh, 95 out of uh, 25. Well, you, couldn't a, you could not hit the side of a barn. You couldn't hit, you couldn't hit the side of a shotgun. Well, maybe there's a ricochet. No. Maybe it just goes right through. Like, uh, almost. It's like shooting jello. Oh. Anyone else? No, I'm running. Yeah, I'm, I think we need to I'm, live I'm to run another day. Um, the, the train and everything around us, is there anything, like, can we climb anything or hide? There are archways, there are pillars, and there's the art, the door where you came in. Okay. The door where we came in, buddy. Come on, Elmer! <laughs> yeah, I, I see my, the rest of my team starting to run away, so I guess I'm going to follow. Yes. Tactical retreat. Tactical retreat. <laughs> we planned I know what are you doing? We planned the I'm running and I'm at the back of the party on the first up the ramp. <laughs> I'm in the middle, so yeah. All right. Uh Captain Suggin, what are you doing? Um I'm 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 running. I'm kind of thinking about doing something else, but I'm running anyway. Is it is it the thing where you first you say it and then you do it in your pants? I can't know. I kind of I had an idea, but I'm too busy running to try my idea. <laughs> unless of no course, multi no multitasking. We should possibly have to take a sanity roll and ended up getting the red mist. But oh, oh you will get a sanity roll out of this. Yes, just not this minute. Uh, right now, it's your adrenaline is taking over. So, well, if no one's going to be shooting or anything right now, I will say. First round, you're in the you're in the passageway, the twisty windy up the. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's now the next round. Um, do we want to end it there, or do we want to proceed? Oh jeez. I think that's a good spot. I think it's a good place to nice end it because it makes okay. it makes all the listeners have to come back next week. <laughs> no, but I won't be here happen. next week. I'll it's die. the week after next. We're gonna... Oh, that's right. Week after next. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's perfectly like, cruel. We're, we're going to die, and I made this pretty little picture. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to show that. 
you're holding it over your head from the back. <laughs> it's, it's the wrong creature to show. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm trying really quick to sketch uh, a, a human and a shoggoth uh, as okay. friends, <laughs> holding hands. Uh, sketch a machete <laughs> in the human hand, stabbing the elder one. Yeah. Uh, all right, our players included Jerry Bryant, Greg Malcolm, Bill Mize, Mick Swan, Jeff Wilkins, and myself with Sean Little as Keeper of the Secrets. Our musical intro, Sleight of Hand, was composed by James Brett and is used with his permission. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production. In order to create a richer listener experience, we provide audio-only versions of our shows, free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. Patrons of our show can now enjoy recordings of our pre- and post-game conversations. Some of the funniest, most interesting stuff occurs before and after the show. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account, just a dollar or two a month. Help us helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel for updates on our latest shows, and leave us some comments. We love hearing from you. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Good luck.